Happy New Year, teachers. You're listening to the thing that we do on Fridays, but you're probably not listening on a Friday because we're recording this on Monday. Brother Wing, how are you? I'm doing great, man. 2023 is just treating me so well. Really? Well, uh, how are you, how you doing on your resolutions? Yeah, I'm, uh, I didn't make any, so I'm doing great. <laughs> are you, you're not a resolution guy? Uh, I make goals, but I'm kind of, I kind of constantly have goals. So January 1st doesn't really change anything for how I roll. Man, that would stress me out to constantly have to be setting goals to improve myself. I like just to to set one goal at the beginning of the year and and then and then be good with it. Oh, I should try that sometime. <laughs> this year, you want to know what I'm giving up this year? What is it? Every every year, you know, I give up something. Um, one year, I gave up ranch dressing. That was a tough year. Uh, gave up chocolate another year hardest year ever gave up cheese for a whole year that was it seemed like i'd reached the top of the mountain the year i gave up cheese my wife almost left me that year when i gave up cheese because you were irritable and cranky all the time oh yeah it was (laughs) cheese is like cheese is like uh what's that stuff that people that take to help them go say melatonin cheese is like the melatonin of the soul it just keeps you balanced i found so you relax. If I had to give up peanut butter for a year, that would oh, yeah. be rough. You should try that. You should no, see, no, you should see if you have that. that kind of self-mastery. I wouldn't do it for a week. S- start with crunchy. Say, I'm not going to have crunchy peanut butter for a year. And then. <laughs> I could just, handle creamy for a month, just, maybe. But then I'd just, have to go back. <laughs> yeah. This year is the triple S year. Uh, sugar. Not gonna eat sugar, even though it's in the air that we breathe. Um, I've given up sugar before for a year. Um, that's not as hard as you think. It's not as hard as the cheese year. Um soda, that's not gonna be tough. Sugar soda. Oh, this one though. This one though is the real this, the third S is the one that could get sports. Me. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> scripture. That's like saying scriptures. <laughs> Go a whole year. No, snacks. Not gonna eat a single snack the whole year. Sugar, soda, and snacks. All right. That's yep. a good one. Yep. Speaking of scriptures, uh, why don't <laughs> why don't we give the teachers what they want? They don't want to listen to us talk about uh how we're trying to improve ourselves. They wanna they just want to improve their own teaching. And teachers, welcome to the New Testament. So good to be in the New Testament. We bid a fond adieu to the Old Testament, uh, but the Old Testament prepared us in a cool way for the New Testament. And I guess that's the one, not the one, but one of the positive things about going right from the Old Testament in December to the New Testament in January is that I think it provides just some natural context, even though there's a 400-year period of uh of blank space between the last book of the Old Testament and the and New Testament, but it does give us some context uh, heading heading into the New Testament. And the thing that I like the most is as we're trying to help the to help the students see the Savior in the pages of the Scriptures. Uh, hopefully, in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, they were able to see the Savior, and now He's really going to show up in the New Testament. 
And maybe just that's going to create some ties and some connections between the Old and New Testament, that the Old Testament won't be so weird to them anymore. They'll see the Savior in the in the New Testament like they saw him in the Old Testament. What do you think? Yeah, that's definitely the focus. And if they can kind of get that vibe, uh, Matthew's a perfect place to kind of start with that. I mean, we're going to go kind of in harmony, right, uh, through these the gospels. Word. So we're not just hitting Matthew only, but they will start with Matthew and at least to understand that he's going to point all this out, like these Old Testament connections mm-hmm. to to the Savior and how the Old Testament really is prophesying of the Savior and so, yeah, I like that context. And <clears throat> this is an even more focused way to go in and find Christ in our scripture study. And teachers, you might be excited because I, I can't imagine that our things that we do on Friday videos and podcasts and stuff are going to be nearly as long on the Old Test or in the New Testament as they were in the Old Testament. I can't imagine. Do you, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> But let's let's jump in, brother Wing. Like, what do we do? Let's let's first talk about the pacing guide. All right, teachers, you should have a copy of the pacing guide. Um, remember, it's a guide. It's you're not mandated to follow this guide. We do want to stay on the week of come follow me. Uh, but this guide is just to it's it's a resource, like many things that we provide in seminaries and institutes. They're resources to help you with the actual source which is the scriptures, right? We use the scriptures. We have we have other resources like a pacing guide or like a, a teacher's manual or student manual to help you. But um, but they're those are just resources. They're not they're not mandated. So what what would you point out to the teachers about the pacing guide for this week uh, or maybe overall, Brother Wing? Yeah. So kind of the you said you mentioned it. We're sticking with come follow me. That but everything's flexible within that. And then, you know, the way that this new uh, teacher manual, this 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 like prime resource for us mm-hmm. divides up the content, you can move things around and adjust, but it does emphasize doctrinal mastery heavily. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to kind of adopt that and insert doctrinal mastery. And we'll basically have every week we'll have a doctrinal mastery. Now this coming week, it's shortened. Some of you are starting on Wednesday. Some of you are starting on Thursday. Some of you don't start till the following Monday. Um, but regardless of where you start, like um, you'll kind of work in the content of Come Follow Me and then adapt with the rest of this. This particular week, um, if you start on Wednesday, you can follow this guide and, and uh, then you've got some kind of space there to work with and you can delay all of those intro lessons and doctrinal mastery to other weeks, right. you know, because this is a shortened week. So that's how I would kind of take this week and just go focus on the scriptures, focus on getting to know the students uh, this week, helping them kind of reacclimate to to seminary, and and also give them a direct focus on you know kind of a, a renewed focus on we're going to focus on the Savior, and we're going to find Him in the text of the scriptures. And so if they need a little retuning to feast on the scriptures and know how to go directly into the scriptures looking for Christ. I mean, man, the new Testament is a great place to develop those skills. Absolutely. You know, I can see someone sitting down to study the new Testament and they're like, Oh, right. Opening up to Matthew chapter one. I'm just going to start reading the powerful words of the new Testament. 
And look what they see right as they open Matthew chapter one. That's where we're starting on. If you're starting on Wednesday, we got Matthew one, one through 17. And it's the whole beget, begets and begats of the New Testament. I mean, is this really the attention getter that the Bible uh, compilers wanted to? I mean, why do we got this? And why is there a whole day in seminary dedicated to, to Matthew 1, 1 through 17, Brother Wing? How are we supposed to approach this one? Yeah, so they always need context. So um, as they come in on that first day, and you're going to cover these first 17 verses of Matthew 1, uh, let them understand what Matthew's focused on, you know, the intent of the writer. He's he's trying to convince people that Jesus is the Christ, and he's going to show how it connects with the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So students, you just got done studying the Old Testament. So read through those first 15 verses and just find some names that you recognize. Yeah. You know, and just let it let it be kind of a connection to the Old Testament in a review and at least you can start to pinpoint some names. Now they're going to see some names that they're super familiar with like Abraham and Isaac, you know, and Jacob. They might see like David, you know, and Solomon and others like that. There's going to be a bunch of names that mean nothing to them. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you were a really good Old Testament studier, you know, um, Azor and Sadok might not oh, I love Sadok, catch your yeah. attention. Perhaps Zerubbabel, right? <laughs> but that would be a, you know, like a different spelling. <laughs> anyway, but they might also notice the women uh, that yeah. are in there, like Tamar and Ruth uh, and uh, what's the other? We've got Boaz or Ruth. Yeah, Tamar. We've got Beth, is Bathsheba in there. Oh, and, and Rahab. Rahab yeah, right. and Bathsheba too. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to, to notice them is that's a connection that can, can aid them to recognize what's coming as well. So after they kind of talk about the names, what do they know about those names? Why would Matthew start using this, you know, to kind of see, you know, and you can, you can help them with, you know, he's going to start with the genealogy because he's trying to emphasize Christ. He's mm -hmm. trying to show that Christ comes from this group, which is going to, in a Jewish audience is going to, elevate him, you know, and yet right. in this list, nobody's perfect. Right. And especially even when you start recognizing, well, I mean, they, they don't know everything about some of these names anyway, but when you start talking, when you start to um, clarify the women that are in here and, and now Mary could be falsely accused yeah. of certain things. And yet here are women that they honor and respect. And so let's not overlook the savior coming from Mary. When you look at this genealogy and you see women here that have different circumstances that they're coming from, you know, and maybe some circumstances they could have, could have been easily judged and they actually were judged in their day, right. you know, as well. And so perhaps he's not just using it to emphasize Christ, but he's also kind of the, the people that he chooses um, in here and shows that kind of is like a prelude to, to Mary and the, and the story that's coming. It's interesting. I think with all those, those, well, with four of those ladies, we know like Tamar and Ruth and, and uh, who else with Bathsheba, who am I forgetting? Rahab. Rahab. All of those were judged as, as harlots uh, to some, I'm not sure if Bathsheba was, but I imagine that, that Bathsheba may have been, I mean, she uh, she definitely probably received judgment in her day. And then 
like you said, then we have Mary who, um, who now is pregnant, but yet the, the other interesting thing is this shows who, this shows the, the Davidic line of Jesus, or in other words, that he, he owns the, the birthright or the, uh, how do we say this? The inheritance of the of David's throne. We know that the uh, Christ in in Hebrew is Messiah, and the Jews were looking for a Messiah, and they knew that the Messiah would come through David's line, and Jesus happened to come through David's line. Yeah, Excellent. There's, there's this Hebrew thing about fourteen, like because once they read sixteen and seventeen now, after mm-hmm. they've gone through the genealogy and they see sixteen and seventeen, certainly in sixteen you can see Matthew's testimony there, right? You know who is the Christ? Like this is the Messiah. Like he's really clear about that, and then he kind of points out this other thing about fourteen generations, right? You know, and and um, and there's this thing about Hebrew with David and that the numeric value or the numeric meaning of his name was 14. And so he's really trying to emphasize like, this is the guy that you've been looking for, you know? And so he's using these things that don't mean much to us, but would have meant something then, but still the message for us is Jesus is the Messiah. Absolutely. Excellent. You know, one of the things that I might do, you know, if it's your first day back, I might get some of the, um, I might get some of the old pictures uh, just to kind of warm your class up, might get some old pictures of Old Testament stories and have your students look for or just share with you, where was Christ in this story? Um, and have them talk about Jesus Christ in that story. And then I might have, you know, put a collection of New Testament uh, gospel pictures of of Christ up and have them say, where do you see the Savior acting the same? Where do you see the the savior in a similar role as he played in the old Testament. That might be a good way just to, to warm the students up and to help them make connections between the old and new Testament uh, that day as well. Yeah, that's really good. You know, and one other point is that, that, that Abraham, you know, he says that from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And then from David until Babylon, 14. Yeah. And then uh, Babylon to Christ. And so you can kind of see that Abraham's their spiritual leader, you know, and David mm-hmm. would be their political, you know, like government right. kingly leader. And so priest and king kind of are mentioned there. And then the fact that it goes to Babylon and then out, you know, so this is like kind of a message here of he's the king of kings and Lord of lords and the deliverer right. like out of bondage. So there's, there's a little more in that verse than maybe meets the eye at first. Yeah, that's a good connection. I like that one. All right, so next day we've got uh, Luke. We got a lot. We got uh, we got Luke one through thirty eight, and we got Matthew one eighteen through twenty five. That's a bit of that's a bit of scripture reading that day. How should we approach that in scripture feasting? So my suggestion with this is we want to really. Um, like I said before, like retune students to scripture feasting and what, this is a great place to do it with Luke one. These are stories that they're probably kind of familiar with, but not super familiar with, you know, they're going to be more familiar with Luke two than they are with Luke one. So just let them read it, you know, just let them walk through. 
it, Luke has a great way of introducing his whole gospel. And then it goes into the story with Elizabeth and Zacharias. And that's a, probably a part of the story that they're not super familiar with. But right. then to keep going with this long chapter of Luke 1 um, is going to is gonna help them. And so I would just let them read it and find what's significant here. What are you learning from Zacharias's life, you know, and how are you going to, how's that going to, you know, um, teach you something that you need right now, you know, and in, in the, this experience with him. So again, this, the teacher manual that you have is built for scripture feasting. And so when you read the scriptures, Luke one yourself, teachers first, and you go through here, you're going to see this freshly from the eyes of the students. So what, what words need to be, have definitions, what background, what, how do you need to explain what Zacharias's role here at the temple? Does that seem, mean, seem important to you? Well, if so, then maybe you need want to look that up so that you can um, explain that to the students in the context before they go in so that they're prepared for that, you know, or you, like even more important is that you're going to find some spiritual guidance as you read this first, what things do you want to emphasize for your students that only the Holy ghost can tell you um, to emphasize. Then once you've done that, then you can go into the teacher manual and see kind of what resources are there to support you in your direction. That's been guided by the Holy ghost. So if you go to the scriptures first, it's going to help you to be more effective at teaching your students and more efficient in your preparation process. So you can save time to focus on the things that's going to matter most to them. And so, cause you're going to be guided by the Holy ghost um, to teach those particular students. I hope this is making sense, but um, Luke one's a great place to kind of practice this because you read it first, find, you know, at least those first uh, 38 verses, you know, that are there. And just kind of see what's there for you. What do you think the students are going to be most uh, benefited by? And what do you kind of need to look up to prep them so that they're successful in that study? And then turn them loose to do the same. So give them that preparation in a few minutes, but then let them go with those 38 verses. I know it might seem like a lot, but it's really only like three and a half columns. You know? Short verses, yeah. <laughs> in a paper set. like. And so just let them go and just see what they find. What, what, how is this going to help you in your life? And what do you learn here that's just so valuable? And let them just get real accustomed or reaccustomed to, to feasting and learning and drawing out insights for themselves so they can start to develop these skills even more. Yeah, I like that. I like that you're encouraging the teachers to re to fine-tune or to retune or just to maybe even teach over again scripture feasting to your students. And then what would you what would you tell a teacher, Brother Wing, who's like who's so excited? You know, they read this and they find some really cool insights, um, and they really want to share them with their their students. All these cool things that they found in their scripture study. What would you what would you what counsel would you give to that teacher? Yeah, it's not. I mean, you are being led by the Holy Ghost, so it mm -hmm. could be that you're getting excited about this because your students need to focus on this. Mm -hmm. But even if it's something to focus on, it's about what the students are able to discover for themselves right. rather than what you discover for them. You know, so you may, you may direct them in a certain way because you think that's most important, but you're directing them towards their discovery 
right not doing it you're not doing you're not fishing for them you're teaching them how to fish and so you want if you're like oh i really want them to see this in the text because i think this is super relevant for them great that's you're probably being guided by the holy ghost to focus now how are you going to create the experience for them to go find that for themselves that's the trick and that's why scripture feasting is so valuable because that opens the door for them to find it for themselves plus when they feast you're going to be able to see other things that you weren't thinking of that they right. are interested in and that they find relevant. And then you can adapt all of that to their, to their learning. Yeah. Just like when I was studying, when I was studying Luke one, I just naturally in my mind and and then writing down, I've made a comparison of the way Zacharias responded to a revelation to how Mary responded to a revelation and made some notes there. And that was an interesting thing for me. If I walked into a class and said, all right, and then started to boss my students around and said, today, we're going to talk about how Zacharias responded to a revelation and how Mary responded to a revelation. Then, then I just become a backseat driver to my students. And I tell them, here's how, here's what you're supposed to find in this chapter today, rather than letting the Holy Ghost uh, giving them some tools and then letting the Holy Ghost work with them as they study the scriptures. Excellent. Um, I think we can do the same thing uh, for the remainder of Luke on that last day, Luke 1, 39 through 79. I think, again, it's a perfect opportunity to have your students, you know, give them the bookmark and uh, say, choose one of those questions and go for it. And let's see what you find. Um, I think they'll be totally impressed by Mary and uh, they'll, they'll, I think the Holy Ghost will teach them wonderful things uh, as they as they, you know, Mary, you know, here's a, here's a thought, Brother Wing. Mary was no spiritual slouch, of course. All right. I'm, um, this gal knew the scriptures. I mean, the prophecy that she was making, uh, after she, you know, said, behold the handmaid, you know, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. The prophecies that she made, she was quoting scripture just left and right. Um, this was someone who, this is a young gal who knew the scriptures and loved the scriptures and um, and was was chosen by God to for this very important role. So. Uh, yeah, so I think a great thing to in include here is like, what are you what are these scriptures teaching us about God? Like, what do you learn? You read these verses. Mm -hmm. What do you learn about God? And then as you identify some of those things that they point out, let them kind of process those things like, okay, you learned this about God or the text shows you that, you know, he had that angels are real, for example, you know, or he sends angels to deliver messages. Like, do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Mm -hmm. You know, and let them kind of walk through this list about what they're learning about God and the examples that you're getting, especially from Mary, you know, in here and how that, how then they can then take that and use that in their life, either to strengthen their belief you know, in these things about God that the text is testifying of, or to act on what they know is true. Right. You know, you're not going to do this for them. Again, you're just guiding them through this process of going into the text, finding what it's teaching, under, try, working on that to make sure that we understand what it's teaching. And then how are you going to use this yeah. you know, in your life? That if they do that every day in seminary, they're going to, they're going to not only become really good scripture studiers, 
but they're going to find Christ. They're going to draw closer to him and they're going to be inspired to act in ways that are going to um, help them to live uh, in a way that is going to lead them even closer to God. Absolutely. You know, and, and the, the real rubber meets the road for you teachers. You, you, uh, your job is to listen, to listen to what answers your students come up with from their scripture study and observe them as they say the scriptures. And as you listen to and observe their scripture study, then the Holy Ghost will prompt you of questions to ask them or statements to make or things to remind them of. That's when you, that's, that's really your role as a teacher is to listen to, these students need someone to listen to them, listen to what they find in the scriptures, uh, listen to the answers that they have, listen to their testimonies, and then respond uh, with the Holy Ghost. And, and that's what they need. They don't need you to dump things into them. They need you to draw things out of them. And so that, that will be the, that'll be the key to being a successful teacher. Any last words, Brother Wink? Yeah, we're just providing an experience, you know? So yeah. since we're providing an experience and hoping that the students are going to connect with the scriptures and connect with the Holy Ghost, well, then teachers, that's how we prepare to teach is we're going to connect with the scriptures and connect with the Holy Ghost to, to be able to guide this and provide this same type of experience for our students. Right. Awesome. Well, teachers, we hope this was helpful to you. We're looking forward to doing this every Friday. Happy New Year, everybody. We love your guts. Stay righteous.